0: Welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Every week, I host live chats via YouTube channel with leaders in the AFL and high-performance industries. Join me live every Sunday at 6pm, where I debrief the recent chats and announce the upcoming guests. We drop an inspiring and educational episode every Monday. If you like the show, please follow us on your favourite podcast app.
1: Welcome back to the Prepare Like a
0: Pro podcast. My name is Jack McLean. I am the host, and in today's episode, I interview Sam Sukowski also known as Switter. The medium forward of the Fremantle Dockers, who has had a strong impact since getting drafted as a mature age player. Sam has played over 30 games of AFL football, all while managing some serious injury setbacks. Prior to Frio, Switter was a dominant forward in the VFL and was drafted from the Box Hill Hawks. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome, Sam, for jumping on, mate. Thanks, mate. Good to see you.
2: Yeah, good to see you too. How's uh, how's everything going? Good, yeah, not bad. Um, uh, another rehab program at the moment. We can talk about it a bit later, but yeah, nothing's going well.
0: Awesome, mate. Well, yeah, thanks for thanks for jumping on and really looking for this chat. We'll we'll start at the very beginning. At what age did you start playing footy? Discover you had a passion to want to play at the highest level.
2: Yeah, so I'd have to go back to early days. Footy for me started. In the backyard of my family home in diamond creek uh, i grew up with three brothers and an old man who just loved footy so you know playing in the backyard and um, going to collingwood games every week or second week was was our thing and that's where it all started the passion came from for me and that's largely why you know i got into junior footy and um, throughout most of my junior career it was yeah that, that was why i played with the pure enjoyment of the game no other reason that dream of being an AFL footballer was was there to an extent. It was always, yeah, a bit of a dream, but never really a realistic goal until probably later on when I um, started playing some some more high-level footy around sort of 16 years old. Um, and as the opportunity sort of came, that's when things got, I guess, a bit more serious. And um, when I started, yeah, I guess, working more towards yeah the realistic goal of, of trying to be an AFL footballer.
0: Fantastic and, and it'll be good to go through um the start uh, Woody, like you mentioned you had a strong passion for the game playing in the backyard and playing with your dad um what age did you recognize that you had a, a talent game and and was it someone who recognized that yourself or was it more external um, people pumping you up and the confidence? And...
2: Yeah it's a good question I think um you know probably more from, from the external to be honest people <laughs> give me a bit of a pump up I had a lot of probably self-doubt and lack of confidence uh, within my own ability growing up and playing footy. I just played it because I loved it and didn't realise the talent that I had um, uh, from a young age. And um, so for sure, I think um, getting the recognition from others, you know, helped early on. And I'm in a place now where, you know, I've I've built that confidence within myself. We can go into a bit later with, um, you know, where I'm at at the moment. But back then um, when I yeah, got a bit of recognition around 15, 16 years old. I was playing at Research Junior Footy Club and, and that led to playing for the NFL um, representative side. That led to playing for the Northern Knights and the TSE Cup. And that was a big step forward for me. Um, that whole environment, you know, it's, it's a lot more serious. Everyone's there for for mostly the, the same reason of trying to get drafted. And um, personally, I didn't at that time enjoy the experience as much because it was more of that kind of selfish environment and guys, um, you know, trying to get that ultimate goal. So you lose a bit of team, team culture and, and team atmosphere. But, you know, that was the pathway that had to be taken to to make it to the top level. And I still met some outstanding people and had some some awesome times there. So I'm incredibly grateful for that experience. But um, yeah, certainly some some people along the way definitely instilled the confidence within me and um, that was massive with, you know, taking the limitations off my own game and, and trying to get the most out of myself.
0: Yeah. yeah, there's a couple of good points that you brought up there for, for developing for tuning in. Um, one, the the building the confidence um, at a young age and how important that is for your game, but also like how you mentioned, sometimes the environment can take away from the fun of the game. Um, like you said, we're taking it so seriously, but then at the, at the elite level, a lot of um, players playing at the top try and almost remind them back to when they were kids playing the game, opposed to treating it like a job, which, which is a hard balance to make, obviously, but can help your performance. So we'll start with the confidence. What are some ways for those that are a bit down confidence, maybe from a a slump in form or or rehabbing off an injury where they've had time out of the game or or now with COVID, I guess there's more layoff with with games and confidence can be a bit of a roller coaster. Um, Looking back now, what what are some things in confidence that you wish you you had those tools when you were younger?
2: Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, It's impossible just to say to someone, you know, be confident and they suddenly can just turn a switch and start being confident. So there's lots of things within that, that, that help build it. And um, it's certainly not easy, something that I still, you know, um, still a challenge for me within, within playing AFL football to be confident in everything I do out in the field. So um, the things I would say is just, is try not to have that fear of fear of judgment, um, fear of making mistakes, because it's the best way that you learn. And the more you learn and, and gain knowledge and experience, the more confident you're going to become one of, um, I guess the one, one person that hit me a lot throughout my career was Ross Lyon. And he used to always say confidence comes from action. And I, I used to think about it a lot and it's just so true. You, you, if I can give the example of say goal kicking, you're going to be more confident going out and having a set on set shot on goal on the weekend. If you've, you've put through 20 set shots during the week than if you've done nothing. And so it comes from action, getting to work and repetition and practice. And, and that will help with confidence massively. And then. Yeah, and it is a little bit of a mindset shift as well. You just kind of have to back yourself in a bit, and like I said at the start, that fear of of making mistakes or or asking silly questions or whatever, it just kind of have a bit of courage and and find your way through that.
0: Yeah, I love that, mate. Um, that's a mantra to go by. It comes from action, and I think that's probably no more important time than now because sometimes with with COVID, you are taken away with things that you can do in your normal routine, but. Um, can still focus on the things that you can do in a lockdown or a quarantine phase to help, help your game. Cause there's a lot of times people are playing footy at the highest level, midi base, you know, semi-professional where they might only get one session in a week, but they're playing at a, mm-hmm. playing a game. So um, yeah, that, that's, thanks for sharing that. Uh, it's always good to have an action, action, um, something to take away as well. So that something for the guys listening to write down uh, and, what about from a um...
2: – uh, <laughs> that's all right. I think, um, I think you mentioned early on about the passion and enjoyment for the game and then you talk about goals. Oh, yeah, things. having
0: that balance. Yeah, so so like you said, the environment can sound like fun for the game. Yeah. Um, so how important is it to enjoy the game and what are some ways that you can to help ensure that you're, you're playing the game that you love and mm. prolonging that rather than team?
2: Yeah, so – It's an absolutely critical point. You really, you have to enjoy what you do. If you don't, you'll just be chewed out of the system. You'll hate it and um, you'll resent yourself for doing it. It's to have that that passion and enjoyment for the game. Uh, It's so important. I say to people sometimes, it doesn't have to be your one true love, (laughs) but uh, you really do have to love doing it. So um, I suppose the thing, you know, that from that side of it to really boost that balance and make sure you're still enjoying it as we spoke about, is is going back to um, remembering the times that when I um, love playing footy as a kid and, and those moments in the backyard or whatever those most cherished um, memories are, is to is really bring those up. And um, I think a person who I've done a fair bit of research on recently, Ben Crow, who's a bit of a mindset coach, he has this little exercise and it's just about thinking about your earliest, happiest memory and then associating some words and feelings with that and then using those every day as a reminder um, of, you know, you, when you're your best and when you're feeling your best and and why you're doing, um, which I think is a really cool exercise. And yeah, and sometimes I think you just, you know, things are going to go wrong. There's things out of your control that there's nothing you can do about it, but, and you, you really just have to accept it and, and sometimes have a little bit more, I think of a, not a carefree, but more of a relaxed, um, attitude towards things. And, um, Get a bit of perspective. Uh, I'm massive on on knowing that for me, there's more to life than just football. Um, so, yeah, that whole balance is, is critical, and little exercises like that can keep a bit of perspective, of gratitude, and and all those sorts of.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love the fact that you, you're into Ben's work, he, and I and I did his online uh, masterclass mm-hmm. during the lockdown last year, which was awesome to see. Like he had people from all over the world, over 100 people uh, on Zoom, uh, following his yeah, the power of perception and. Another topic that's probably important than uh, what your in, your enjoyment and the core. What do you empower that? Yeah, th- thanks, mate. Thanks for sharing. Who, who else have been some strong for life? No, yeah.
2: There's... Yeah. Well, so, I'd say my few years at Box Hill was probably where I developed developed the most as a footballer and as a person. I going through high school and playing footy within that sort of age level. I, you know, I didn't really get much insight into the mental side of the game, which is so massive for me now and yeah, i've learned so much from a few people at box hill i um, if i can name a few people i'd say probably less so from a mental side but more from you know just a, a football i guess physical and and skill and craft and knowledge of the game point of view marco bello who was a head coach for me for a couple of years Chris newman were massive and sean murphy is then the other one from probably the mental side of the game that had a huge influence on me he was incredibly supportive of the lifestyle i had at the time which was pretty challenging for me which entailed Three part-time jobs studying full-time at uni and playing at box hill trying to compete with wow. you know the best sort of players going around so i found that incredibly challenging but he he gave me that support and you know that feeling of comfort that you know yeah you know, i didn't have to be on 100 of the time whilst at the club and if i was having a bad day if i was tired or sore you know, he he made the decisions for me where I could have a night off training or take it a bit easier just to make sure that I was getting the most out of myself when the important times came. And um, I think he also was probably the first person that really instilled recovery into me. So I reckon that was drilled into me from a younger age, but he really got through to me about sleep and diet, balance, work-life balance. And um, those lessons I still hold so valuable today and I'm still building on them. But yeah, it really gave me that insight into... You know there's more than just um you know just trying to get on with things and train you know 100 percent all the time and at the end of the day just ties yourself out i had i learned the hard way in some ways i one of my years at box hill i you know got tonsillitis and then that led to glandular fever and um, oh, wow, yeah. there was some there was some hard months in there and i purely think that was from just getting so stressed and, and tired down and yeah sean was massive in in helped me get through those periods and then um, really taught me that, you know, to recognize when things weren't going so well so I could fix them quickly because the, the longer you leave them, um, the more I can spiral out of control into a real problem. So, um, yeah, he was a massive influence and a good friend of mine as well. So I'll have to chat to him soon.
0: Yeah, absolutely. He's a good man, Murph. Um... And yeah, he helped me out a lot as well. I love his approach for, for those for the S and C's that are listening, strength and conditioning coaches that are wanting to get better as coaches. Um, from an athlete's point of view, you mentioned that you'd heard those things before, but Murph had a great way of comm- make change. Um, looking back now, was there anything that he did differently, or, or, or why was it? Why did he make a stronger impact um, on you in yeah. that space?
2: Yeah, it's a really good question. I would say the most important thing was the relationship that we had. He yep. We built a really strong relationship. Um, we respected each other. We were really open with each other. And that just allowed for those harder conversations to happen. And then the trust for, say, me to have a, a night off training or a, a bit of a, an easier night or whatever it was. Um, if I was <laughs> a fair few times, I was stuck in a chemistry lab in the city and couldn't make training until about an hour late. So it was just incredibly supportive and, and made me feel really comfortable with it. And I would say, yeah, you, you can't have those conversations and and have you know as an athlete it's it's difficult to, to you know ask for a bit of rest or you know say you sore because you know a lot of people grow up I grew up thinking that you know you don't complain about anything you just get on with it and toughness you know, just getting through everything pushing through the pain but yeah being able to actually open up to him about it and then we could have those collaborative conversations was
0: yeah it's such a good point and and like you mentioned um the environment of a, of a VFL football a mature age player playing Against professionals, um, but also uh, with the goal of getting, but then also preparing yourself because it's it's such a low probability to get drafted. You're preparing mm-hmm. for your life outside of footy too, so you, you can like it's conducive to stress um, just because you simply have to be. You've got to set yourself up in a different avenues rather than pouring all your energy into one. Um, how do you manage that that balance and the ability to be to you know the support helps but personally what what did you do to to get yourself to a point where you could still train at a high level and and more importantly while managing Mm. those other other hats in life
2: yeah yeah so i would say i mean initially on your first point um it is so important those other things like that that low probability of making it is there and even if you do make it and you play until you're 32 have an unbelievable career you're still working for 30 40 years of your life so Um, it's so important and I always had that in mind the things I suppose that I did that helped me with that consolidating like a really solid routine and um, just putting some priorities on things at at different points in time and um, it allowed me then to you know to focus my energy in certain ways and and other things just to get sort of talk about energy inputs and outputs and there were so many outputs at the time so finding ways to input and whether that was Having a relaxing night, even just on the couch and watching a movie, just to feel relaxed, um, get that input back in. But for sure, you know, sleep was critical. Um, so a bit of a routine with sleep to make sure I was getting the best quality that I could, put a really high value on that diet, making sure that, you know, I, on a Melbourne winter morning, go, getting up early and going to the city on the train, it'd, it'd be so easy to skip breakfast, but just making sure I got something. Um, all those little pieces just helped with uh, myself the best chance to feel refreshed and energized for when those important. You know, training sessions or games happened, and I think largely in season at Box Hill, I really channeled um, my energy into just making sure game day I was ready to go, and um, so that meant that training looked a little different each week. And some weeks, if I was feeling better, I'd do a little bit more, but um, knowing myself and my body, sort of what I needed, and and then making sure when the the critical critical times came, I was ready to go.
0: Yeah, yeah. From a physical point of view, you you're a hard worker, you're a dynamic player. So the load on your body. Um, per minute compared to a lot of other players with a lot higher so do, have you noticed that in your game that potentially you don't have to do the same amount of volume as as other players in the squad but as long as the quality um, your body feels good on game day result with more focus on
2: quantity at times yeah absolutely quality over quantity is is a great saying and it's so important it's yeah everybody's going to be different for me it was a little bit more about yeah um, maybe lessening the load during the week and making sure it was good to go game day, the style of player I became being, trying to trying to be explosive and, and some more high speed out there. And, um, but at the same time, you know, it's a real balance because one thing I would say, and, and one thing I've learned the hard way is the lack of, you know, leg weights and um, so some of that strength and conditioning probably created challenges for me within the AFL system with injury. You know, if I developed a little bit of a stronger base, um, you know, it would have been, um, maybe a little bit more durable within my afl career but at the same time things you know if i had focused more on that at the time you know potentially then at that stage wouldn't have been able to produce what i could on game day and then might have yeah, led me to not get drafted so
0: yeah
2: sometimes you can't do everything you just have to pick what's most important and, and, and kind of go with it and you know try and find the best balance that you can but um yeah there's, there's two ends to it and um it's kind of just the road that i took and you know, then since I got to Fremantle, I've been doing everything I can from sort of my point of view to myself. But even now, I have chats with my high performance manager and strength and conditioning staff about the balance of leg weights or low during the week and to games. And it's yeah, it you just it's hard to find the, the perfect solution. You just got to keep going, trial and error, and um, yeah, something I'm still working on. So yeah, it's difficult. It's certainly not easy.
0: Yeah, it's such a good point you make. And um, Guys that have worked in, in strength and conditioning space and medical space, uh, like Bruce O'Connor springs to mind, like to play more footy, you just got to play more footy. <laughs> um, yeah. And also near enough is good enough at the elite level or a lot of the times, uh, with preparation, rehab, and, and we can at times try and think that, oh, it's the, the top of the top. We've got to be doing everything at the top mm-hmm. of the top where it's simply just not possible. So like you said, mm-hmm. focus on what's important for you, Um you made a great point that in hindsight, maybe some strength and conditioning would have built resilience. But you don't. Then, then you might be more tired, like you said, and you play such a high-speed, high-pressure mm. game where you need to be fresh and feeling good on game day to perform at that level and stand out and get noticed. Um, yep. So it's almost like every week's a final in September, really, <laughs> when you're when you're at that point of your career. So you can you can understand it mm. and. In terms of that, in terms of the focus of your strengths, when you were trying to get drafted, for the mature age players that are now, where you know they're thinking a little one more year, or, or you know this is my year that I've got to go all in and get get drafted this year um, before maybe shifting their focus towards other avenues in life. Um, mm-hmm. How did you? How much energy did you go towards your strengths as a player, as a mature age player, that wanted to get strength uh, to get drafted, mm-hmm. uh, and what were those strengths, and and how did you go about um, sharpening your axe so to speak?
2: Yeah, so, yeah, one thing I'd, I'd start by saying is that it's super important to focus on your strengths and, and keep improving those because they're, you know, when you when you end up playing a role within a team, um, they're so specific that you need to be so good at what you do. You need to be the best at, at those, you know, strengths or those, those roles. So it is still important to work on the thing, you know, that you need to improve and, and keep those in mind. And it depends on the style of player you are, but certainly focusing on the strengths are critical. Um, for me, I... Growing up, I played half-back for most of my juniors and I played midfield. At the Northern Knights, played backfield at Box Hill. I started playing in the midfield and hadn't. I missed out on a few drafts. And I remember Marco Ballo, the only way he could sort of put me in the senior side at the time in my second year at Box Hill was as a small forward, and it's not something I'd really thought about doing or had played that much of. And, but I just sort of took the opportunity with both hands and thought, what, what can I bring myself to this role and how can I, I make it my own? And for me... You know, I uncovered a bit of pace and agility um, within myself, and um, some pressure and tackle. Which you know, I think those abilities were always there, but just since I was playing before that, just they never really came to light, I suppose. So um, interesting. It's it's super. I think the perspective of trying to get into the AFL system, I'd say, like you, you, know, you need to be really good at big role. Um, you know, you don't have to be, I used to think being a bit of a utility, like being able to play any position on the ground was, was the best thing. And and it's still a massive advantage, but it's not worth being, you know, good at three positions than being extremely good or great in one position, Mm -hmm. I would say. Mm -hmm. So um, that shift to playing small forward, you know, in the end was, was what got me drafted. I don't think if I played midfield for, um, at Box Hill for those few years that I would have been drafted. And what I did within those times was, yeah, focus on, you know, why am I still in the team as a small forward? What are they loving about my game? And it was my tackle and pressure at the time. And it, it was just became more of a focus for me, a practice at training and a mindset about I'm going to own this and I'm going to become the best or try and become the best um, in this. And, yeah, you know, I, I would I would say I, I think I ended up getting probably drafted off two or three games and two of them were one with 17 tackles and one with 13 tackles. Um, yeah. So I think I throw a couple of those live. The yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and it blows my mind now because I'm in the AFL system but I can't get more than three or four tackles a game. <laughs> and I'm trying um, my best. But, um, yeah, you know, really focus on those strengths, I think, you can to, to improve them. And, you know, if you've got the time in your hands and, the, and you want to put in the effort, you know, you can go into watching some of the best players do it, watching some vision and just gaining as much knowledge as you can and then, and then yeah, channeling that focus at training.
0: Yeah, I love that, mate. It's such a great insight, your mindset and how and how you approached that, you know, moving around just to simply get in the team, which is the VFL system when you're in a lined club, mm. you know, at, at times 16, 17 spots are taken. So how do you make the team can sometimes be a simple challenge because you're five spots up for grabs yeah. and maybe the whole mm. Backline is pit his AFL players, so move around you easily could have you know cracked the sads and looked at that and be like oh mm-hmm. get over it. Whereas you looked at like now nah, this is an opportunity to showcase. They're obviously looking they have put me in the forward line for a reason, um and and yeah looking at more like an opportunity rather than complain about it, which is just great for to take mm-hmm. on board. Um and actually interestingly we had Anthony Scott on who was also a mature age player and he had the same mindset where um mm-hmm. he felt that helped his footy now because he, he's built that base and then now he's more a sort of specialist like you're saying the importance of having your strengths um potentially it may it can doesn't have to happen at 12 years old to work out what position you are you you find Mm -hmm. out a few different positions over time and um your best position will will come at the right time for you so thanks for sharing that mate and um yeah that was that was a great little insight
2: yeah as as time goes on just the the thoughts the negative thoughts sort of creep in a little bit more and it's hard then because the only way to sort of gain confidence is through, you know, getting back out and training again and proving to yourself that, you know, you're making some progress and you're all right. Um, so, yeah, it was a, a massive challenge. And um, yeah, like I said, the uncertainty of knowing yeah when your return date is, is, is the hardest part. Um, and you also feel like with any injury that, you know, you're not able to do the job that you're there to do. Like I said, at the start, you feel a sense of letting down your teammates, letting down your coaches. I mean, and the fans, like, you know, the people that come watch you, expect you to be playing and performing. The fans are the ones that keep the club alive by paying their memberships and coming to watch games. And um, yeah, there's a real sense of disappointment and, and frustration, especially when you've had um, a number of injuries and been out of the game. I've had six or seven hamstring strains now in my right leg, which I'm currently <laughs> recovering from one, ironically enough. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's been an absolute journey, I suppose. Um, getting through those rehabs and certainly learnt a lot, um, along the way. But I think I'm in a really good space now with, um, you know, my perspective on things and, um, a bit of my mantra now is just controlling what you can control. Um, and anything else, you know, you just can't let it define you. So. Um, I find now whenever an injury comes, it's it's largely out of my control. And what's most important is how I respond to it. And I feel like that's what, that's how I'll judge myself. And that's how the people closest to me will judge me. The media or people from the outside will probably, um, if you ask them about me, would just say I'm a small forward that's got a little bit of potential, but injury ridden. Um, but yeah, it's not how I see myself. And I know that's not how my teammates and coaches see me. And um, yeah, I think that's that's a massive thing, really getting over some of those challenges.
0: Absolutely, mate. Yeah, thanks for for sharing and, and being honest with the challenges, both mentally and physically, with injury, particularly um, long term ones. And I can only imagine the twenty twenty challenges with COVID and everything else would have exacerbated <laughs> um, that to a whole new level. Um, you mentioned you learnt some things. Uh, clearly, the way you go about it is very professional at that point in your career. So you would have been ticking a lot a lot of those controllable balls. What were the things that you you learned um this time around
2: yeah yeah so I mean those controllables that I spoke about it was you know things like making sure you know you you work rate, right, your work ethic the attitude you come into the club with um taking notice of of what's happened with my injuries and and learning from you know what's what's good for my body and what's not um I think you know over the journey of of all the injuries I've just learned the value of resilience sort of what that means and and how I mean, how difficult it kind of is to, to have that value like properly, like I think a lot of people might call themselves resilient or say that someone's resilient, but it's, it's when you really get tested from a number of injuries or a year out or with that uncertainty, like I talk about where it really gets tested. Um, so um, yeah, they're probably the main things. Um, and like, I think I spoke a little bit about before about perspective, but injuries have kind of just give perspective that there's more to life than football as well. <laughs> um, and that that's, that's critical. Um, and I talk about balance before, but you know, if you're living in a, in a football bubble or just investing a hundred percent of your time just into football and you're not putting time into other things, and it's going to be even more devastating when, when it's around and you're not going to have those other avenues to support yourself or track yourself sometimes, which can be important, but just that perspective, more life than footy. And, and when it's out of your control is yeah, there's only so much you can do. You just got to do your best. And then what happens happens a little bit. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, love that, mate. And like you said, it, it, resilience comes from those testing times and, and you're up against it in, with uncertainty um, in that environment with, with COVID and everything that was going on and, and when it's a long term as well. So hats off to you on, on the way you approached it. I don't think it's any easier managing it in a full-time Capacity because you are managing the pressure of, like you said, the fans, the f- you're surrounded by football, so it's hard to get out of it. Did you pick up any sort of hobbies or, or things outside of football during that year of 2020 to try and distract you from the game?
2: Yeah, well, it was, it was quite difficult with COVID, with uh, the roller coaster that it was with lockdowns and, and so forth. Um, and we had. It, it was pretty challenging for me because we did a couple of hubs over east um, and there was sort of restrictions within those with what we were allowed to do. So you were really kind of stuck in a bit of a footy bubble. Um, so yeah. it was pretty challenging. I think I was quite lucky. I actually met my girlfriend started last year just before COVID and she's been massive just with being a support for distraction, someone I can vent to and, um, you know, spend time with outside of football. So that was definitely huge for me, but, um yeah I'm, I'm still studying which takes up a lot of time i'm just trying to yeah balance my time doing other things and i spoke about at the start then just trying to make the time that i do spend training and rehabilitating just quality with high energy so that i feel refreshed and and you know trying.
0: Uh, thanks mate well we're going to uh handball it over to a couple of academy guests um we'll have a quick drink break and i'll play a short video about the academy and then um i'll hand it over to rama first ask his question to sam and And then Noah's tuned in, so you can ask a question for Sam as well. So here's the academy, guys. For those that don't know what it is, here's a quick Cheers, Sam. Hi, I'm Jack McLean, an AFL football strength and conditioning coach, and I want to introduce you to the Prepare Like a Pro Academy. Our academy is a subscription-based platform where you can sign up to be a part of our community. If you get to the end of each episode of the podcast and are hungry for more, this is for you. Designed for aspiring AFL athletes and staff, you'll receive heaps of bonus weekly content. Learn who the guests are in advance and submit questions. Access to our Facebook group with Jack and other Prepare Like A Pro coaches. You'll be able to receive merchandise, program discounts and freebies, and get free access to our live events, exercise technique database and much more. This is a great way for you to support the podcast and it helps me with production and release of epic content for you guys each week. Your contribution goes a long way in making Prepare Like a Pro community possible. And just for $5 a week, you'll have access to all of this special content released on our academy forums. There's no lock-in and you can cancel absolutely anytime. Welcome Rama to the chat. Uh, Rama has also worked at at Box Hill or Current Hawks, awesome. so with another Box Hill man, uh, in the strength and conditioning department. So I'll hand it over to you, Rama, dear special mate. Thanks for joining us.
1: Excellent, thanks, Jack, and yeah, thanks, um, thanks, Sam, for the chat. It was uh, I found it to be really insightful. Plenty of gems in there, um, and I enjoyed it a lot, um, mate. My my question to you was: you spoke a, a quite a bit about um, perspective during that chat. Um, and i was wondering what are some of the things that you either know or um do physically that um you wish you either knew or did uh, back at the beginning of your career Uh, what are
2: some of those things yeah good question um yeah so i suppose with perspective on life uh, point um it yeah certainly yeah has been massive for me now and and didn't probably have that as much um, when I was younger um, I suppose one thing I might mention is is gratitude I spend a lot of my yeah. time doing a lot of gratitude exercises into podcasts doing a, a journal every day just to be to say what I'm grateful for sort of three things and um, that's a fantastic way that I've been able to yeah like reset and and just kind of gain that gratitude and perspective about you know that there is more to life than football or you know might be whatever as an S&C coach you know if something's if having a hard time um, it can be massive with just yeah opening your eyes a little bit and losing that sort of tunnel vision or being stuck in that in that work bubble. Um, yeah. So that's that's been huge. Um, I think I wish back then when I was younger I asked more questions and was a bit more open to different things. Mm. I think I was a bit single-minded back then and um, you know I thought there was one way of doing things. Um, if I kind of didn't have that fear fear of you know asking a silly question or fear of judgment, it would have got me a lot further, and I probably would have learned a lot quicker. Um, and, yeah. and yeah, like just yeah, being open because um, you never know what you might find. Yeah, there's so many people, like great people out there, knowledgeable people to learn off. Um, and you know, this podcast has had some some awesome guests on it, which um, I'm sure the viewers have learned so much off. So um, yeah, they're, they're probably the things that that come to my mind. But it's a fantastic question, and um, I suppose I'd also say that you know there are things that I wish. I did back then that you know do back then that i do now but i'm sure there's things now that i'm not doing that in five years i'm going to be doing so i'm just constantly trying to find what those things are and just keep evolving and um perspective is just like for myself personally if i have a fantastic football career i probably played till like 32 that would be unbelievable and then i'm probably still gonna have to work for 30 or 40 years after that doing something else <laughs> no so having that sort of in mind when something goes wrong it just, yeah, opens your eyes a bit, gives you that perspective and helps you through the challenges a little bit more.
1: Excellent. Good question. Yeah, sounds great, man.
2: Thank you.
0: No worries. Thanks, Rama. Good to see you on, on the podcast for the, the debut Q&A. You asked the first question of our guests. So.
1: <laughs>
2: That's <you> right. I'm going <laughs> we'll to get one of those, we'll have to get one of those T-shirts. Oh, thank <laughs> <I know>, you. <he's laughs> my favorite T-shirt. Represent-
0: <laughs> You're representing Oh oh no, mine's working now. Like, oh, Ram is. I tried to do that special the camera where it does the mirror and it (laughs) wasn't working. You've come on and now it's working, mate. So you (laughs) got the
1: touch. (laughs) It's all good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome, Rama will speak soon, mate.
1: Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
0: Noah, such a long fan, very critical (laughs) fan, I must say. (laughs) Uh, But um, I've worked with Noah now and and worked with his dad as well. So, no, I'll handle it over to you, mate. uh, Awesome.
3: Thanks, Jack. Um, Sam just quickly like obviously there's a lot of focus um, at sort of the high high level on physical shape and, and your physical training I know you touched on it briefly actually in your up uh, in your last answer but are there things that you do that you're willing to share on a more mental side that, that sort of translate into improved performance like things like I don't know you mentioned journaling or meditation those
2: sorts of things mm, yeah yeah I'm happy to elaborate a little bit uh, good question so I'd first start off just by saying quickly that that, those mental sort of things I value almost more than you know some of the physical training I do because without it you know I physically can't train as well so um yeah so from a journaling perspective um you know it can be for me now I've got into I used to do a bit of a routine where I would make myself write every night or second night but I found that didn't work for me so now it's a bit of just when I feel like I can sit down and write for 10 20 30 minutes I'll I'll do it and it's just about could be about life, about how I'm feeling about something. But if it's more related to my training and um, my football, it's just kind of, um, I guess, a little bit of evaluation of of the day or my training and how I felt during it, maybe what I could have improved, um, what I did really well, um, that positivity um, and that, say it, but just kind of encouraging yourself and rewarding yourself for, for the good things you're doing out there, I think is super important. I think we always have this negative bias and we're always hard on ourselves, so you've got to remind yourself of the things that you're doing well, um, I, in my, like, with my, with my line coach, um, my, my forward coach at Fremantle, um, and some of the vision I watch, um, similar thing, like, we try and keep it super positive. And um, like I said at the start of the podcast, with confidence, is a bit of a challenge. It's just, yeah, just so important to have those constant reminders of things going really well um, and to keep focusing on those. I find if I'm focusing too much on something, that I'm trying to improve or like a bit of a my game be a little bit detrimental to my performance and often it still is absolutely important to improve where we need to but um a little more focus on on the strengths and trying to just make them even better because the day that's for football you know I've got a specific role in the team and I'm in there for my strength so it's important for me to um boost those as much as I can and I'm sure for for other jobs the relations you can make um I mean other mental exercises I mean, it's probably not so much as a mental exercise, but like a massive on routine. So like for my sleep, I make sure I'm not on my phone for, for 30 minutes before I go to bed. It um, doesn't always turn out that way, but I, I try my best. <laughs> and um, getting yourself into the right headspace to um, yeah, get the best sleep. I know about, you know looking at a screen just before bed, how it can be disruptive like eating a certain amount of time before bed. Um, but yeah, they're, they're probably they're the key things I can sort of think of. Um, you know, meditation is something that, I'm learning a lot about but haven't mastered it, I'm, I'm way off mastering it. I think there's massive benefit in it um, from a, you know, for me, I use it more from like an anxiety point of view to just kind of clear my thoughts and and refresh myself. Um, I hate to go into a training session or a game overthinking um, and also sometimes use it for like um, some, um, for games. So like the day before, I'll write down all my focuses for the game, try not spend too much time on it, but I'll write my focuses down they might spend like five or ten minutes just envision i can't say that word um <laughs> uh what i'm like what bringing those things to life i suppose so if one of my focuses for the game is take it on um don't be scared of getting caught holding the ball um use your speed i'll just try and picture in my head me actually doing those things or go back to times in previous games where i've done it well um i find they can be really beneficial exercises so Hopefully, there's a couple of things in there, you um, mm. it, but it's certainly, I definitely think it's a space that more athletes need to invest in, um, but it's the whole space is constantly evolving and still so much for myself to learn, and yeah, I certainly haven't mastered a lot of it, though.
3: No, awesome. That was that was super insightful. Thank you.
2: Great question, Noah. Thanks for jumping on,
0: mate. Anytime. We'll see you in the gym soon. We're back in a- <laughs> Sounds good. Catch, mate. Thanks. All right, we've got another speech to now, Sam, Corey,
3: a
1: couple of Ajax
0: boys coming on.
1: Where's G'day. There?
0: G'day, Corey, how you going?
3: <laughs> yeah, good, thanks, good. Sorry, I'm on uh, not on. Beautiful, beautiful.
0: <laughs> I'll go, I'll jump off.
3: Sam, how are you? Good, mate, good. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, Just wanted to ask you a couple of questions just regarding, mm-hmm. I thought I'd ask you some questions your answers like would be official for me. So, Mm -hmm. um, I'm going, I've just gone through second ACL in a couple of years. And so I'm doing my rehab with Jack and, um, I'm like getting now I'm 10 months post-surgery. So I'm getting ready for my pre-seasons, like literally about to start in a week. Um, so I just wanted to know like what, or if you can like, just like, tell me like what day by day a week sort of looks like for you in terms of pre-season um, mm-hmm. and like ha- how much emphasis you put on like recovery and all that.
2: Yep. Yeah. So firstly, I'd say like, well done for, for getting through uh, uh, <laughs> this thanks, much rehab yeah. because that's, uh, <laughs> it's impressive and it's, it's challenging. It's important to note. So. Yeah. Um, appreciate it. Keep up the good work there, but yeah. So a standard swim week, um, I suppose for me at the football club, uh, sort of like a full-time schedule monday to friday and weekends off um, just a bit of context um so we would usually do uh, monday wednesday friday as our main running training sessions and then leg weights on those same days monday wednesday friday wednesday would probably be a bit more cruisy and just mainly get two sessions in and then tuesday thursday um, with a bunch of skills and meetings and all that sort of stuff within i suppose the important parts of it you mentioned recovery that like a massive I, i suppose a a huge um or invaluable part of performance i undervalued it when i was younger and i've just found with all my injuries um those little one percenters which you think might not be doing much um i think definitely help a lot and even from a mental point of view doing something often like i'll have an ice bath and potentially physically that's not um Doing much for say you know a hammy injury or something like that. Yeah. But if mentally if mentally it makes me feel better, then I still think it's beneficial. Yeah. Um. So those one percenters I still value. Um. So in a week, you know, I prioritize getting recovery in post sessions, any training sessions um, that I do, and and that recovery includes um, <clears throat> diet, which is important for me because I'm quite light and can lose yeah, weight quite easily. Yeah, that's very put it on.
3: Yeah, very similar. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so getting that, that first feed in super quick, I found is, is really important, you know, recovery point of view from a yeah, yeah energy point of view. So um, the diet part of it, then, you know, it's just preparation, like ensuring that, you know, if you've got a big day, make sure you get a good sleep. Like simple things and probably yeah. things you've heard a thousand times before, but those uh, I think are massive and still people don't value them as much as they should. And yeah, um, so, you know, the, the recovery piece of diet, sleep, the extras of like be your hydro, like uh, ice baths, um, it could be compression, it could be massage, stretching, flexibility. It is, um, and yeah, and like I said earlier in the podcast, just really channel all your energy into your most important sessions and make quality. Don't try and do too much work. Do yeah, you know what you think is the right amount, and make sure you get the most out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, other things, I mean, in a week um you know days off like it's critical to have days off so make sure yeah um you're able to uh, however however long it needs to be just to sort of refresh mentally and physically um and enjoy yourself like it's probably um especially i know in, in my job it's critical to uh, make the most of your days off and, and refresh so yeah yeah that's that's it's kind of what it looks like. Is that sort of enough detail or yeah. a little bit more nah, about nah, those, that's, you know, specific
3: that's, sessions but no nah, no nah, that's that that's brilliant. that's brilliant. yeah it's um, anything anything that I can just pick from keep from that um, mm. to sort of emulate into into my preseason coming up. yeah brilliant. I appreciate it.
2: And, and I'd probably also just note like injuries can put a bit of self-doubt into the body, uh, especially recurring injuries and um, yeah. can kill comp- confidence a little bit. Um, but like I said earlier, uh, just remember that you can only control what you can control. Yeah. Uh, you might do all the right things and parents or, you know, you could do or could do vice versa and, and whatever it is. So just you, whatever sort of happens, if you know you've done the work, then it's kind of all you can do. And, and just trust yourself and back yourself in and um, have confidence when you go out there running and training again and whatever happened will happen. But you control. yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah if you know in yourself that you've done the right thing absolutely no i really appreciate it cheers for that sam no worries and good luck good
3: awesome. luck with the rest of the rehab awesome thanks mate
0: thanks guys great question Corey. thanks for thanks. jumping on mate
3: no worries jack thanks for having me
0: you write down some notes there that was good Plenty i of, did uh, got
3: got me uh, got my sticky note go. <laughs> very
0: good awesome mate we'll catch up soon
3: brilliant see you later that's
0: great. Yeah. Webster now he's having a breakout year with the Ajax. A very athletic ruckman, probably the shortest ruckman in Baffa, but he's definitely the, the shortest. Ruckman week. in <laughs> <All> <laughs> right, you're you're on Noah.
4: Hey, sir. I hope you're well. Um, Thanks, man. I, had, I actually had a couple of questions lined up, but I actually kind of want to go off the cuff. So I, um, I wanted to ask. So I heard Ross Lyon had a lot of things to do with implementing. Um, things to help the players' careers, sort of after and outside of footy, and I was wondering if Frio does anything for like you guys. Um, so, sort of touching on Noah's point before, like sort of help you guys mentally, um, and if that's individual or even to help camaraderie um, as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I think there's a couple parts to that sort of question. Um, if I give you a bit of insight, Frio. Uh, and whilst Ross was there but even now encourage all of our all players to you know do something outside of football whether it's study or work experience and to sort of prepare for life after footy um which I think is awesome decades ago in the AFL that was not something that was really spoken about and um yeah no push from anyone really for, for players to do anything outside of football and it, it sort of created issues for players once they delisted or retired that they had nothing nowhere to nowhere to sort of go. So I'm incredibly fortunate that I got three years of a degree done before um coming to Frio and I'm just about to graduate this year. Uh, makes me feel comfortable knowing I'll have a degree when I when I finish up footy. So um, which degree was that? Uh environmental engineering. um, Interesting. Which it is (laughs) well it's itchy to some people. (laughs) It's uh, yeah it's not bad but it's seven years in the making so wow. almost finished how do, you, up. how
4: do you pick that like this is a side note
2: yeah uh i didn't know what i wanted to do and uh i was good at maths at school then i realized i actually wasn't that good once i started doing the engineering yeah. degree <laughs> um i don't know to be honest it's just something i went into yeah yeah I yeah so it was a bit random i'm not sure if i'll actually end up doing one once i finish i might. Like, end up studying something else or going down a different path, but the option's there at least. Yeah, because that one's Um, And second – just remind me of the second part of your question about the
4: um, – Just, like, mentally uh, for you guys or f- um, for the team as a whole, like running workshops or anything like that. Or, like, even just, like, I don't know, it just nights out.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, team chemistry, camaraderie is super important. We know that. Like, Will, you'll be – the more care you have for your players and the closer your relationships are, you know, the more you're going to want to put your body on the line when you go out and play with them. It's just, and the the harder you push each other, the more the respect that's there. Um, yeah. You're able to give more critical, constructive feedback without feeling um, like you will be judged or it'll be taken the wrong way. So yeah, that stuff's massive and, and what we do for it. Yeah. Like, I mean, we do things outside of the club, like whether it's catch ups and things like that to make sure everyone's getting around each other. We make sure when guys first get drafted to the club they always go and live with a player it's just a good way to get them in um, around some boys and and build those relationships early and a lot of us live together i lived with uh four other players at one time i think a couple of years ago in a house and I'm
4: sure that house got very dead <laughs> uh,
2: yeah 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 it's a fair call um yeah, but you know but just doing that and doing um we do specific like workshops, like I said, I for it uh, within the club. So we have a couple of people employed who come and work on like culture and trademark within the club. We we think it's super important for us to have a, a trademark that you know we all live and buy into. And you know we have a lot of sessions about you know what that sort of actually means, and um, you know coming up with with actions and and different things we can do to to buy into it more. Um, we're constantly doing that sort of stuff together in, in smaller groups or as a whole group. Yeah, just trying to all get on the same page and, and get closer with each other. It's a really good question. Hopefully that-
4: Just just as so like a follow from the actions, like what could you give an example of like an action or? Um, yes. So,
2: yeah, good question. I'd say <laughs> an action might be, so we might have a trademark session. A guy will come in and uh, one of the guys employed will come in and, and we'll go through a few parts of our trademark and um you know we'll the action might be will we sit down for for half an hour and we jot down you know as many things we can think of that um sort of would be an action of of that trademark Um, yeah and then it's about we see it at the club or in a game like a training or anywhere where we're all together we make sure we call it out and and say like don't sweat it great job (laughs) um (laughs) almost just Pop the F word there. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, make sure we we see it and we reward it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We sit down after every, in our team review and go through trademark clips from the game and and even on the field. Like, you know, it's not just celebrating uh, the goals or the the big moments, but, you know, the smothers and the things that we value, uh, the blocks, the body on the line and, and yeah.
4: Okay. Yeah, yeah, that that was a great answer.
2: Awesome.
0: Thanks, Noah.
4: Yeah, any time.
0: You're <laughs> a natural. my job.
4: Would love to. Would love to. Get me in the seat, Jack.
0: <laughs> All right. Thanks for it, mate. I know it's been an hour of your time, so really coming on, mate.
2: I know. Final well. one. What,
0: what are you excited about for 2021, Horizon Foyer? That pumps you up.
2: Uh oh, stacks of things. I'm excited. To graduate at the end of the year. Like I said before, seven years in the making of my degree. I'm excited to. Be in the mix of finals this year since i've been at the club we haven't you know sort of been competitive for finals this late in the year so we've got a hard run home and it's we need things to go right but just being a part of that for the last last month and i'm hopeful to be back for the last couple games so that's super exciting and oh hopefully getting back to melbourne and seeing family and friends that would be unreal if uh covert allows it and getting a bit more of a normal off season compared to last year so get out get the hobbies done i've had a surfboard that's been in my shed for about a year and a half never been so i need to take it out at some point all my absolutely. friends are giving it to me about that so yeah I, I think that's awesome mate well thanks so much for coming on
0: absolutely love the way you go about it and you've always been a, a fun player to watch it's tuned into this podcast either live or or the recording we'll be watching your game closely uh, those pressure tackles and and uh and goals that you put on, mate. So it's a unique role that you play. Not many can do it. Keep it up, mate. Love watching you. And thanks for coming on and sharing all your experiences from from the start. And I really appreciate it.
2: No, absolute pleasure, mate. Anytime and um, good luck with the podcast. And hopefully I'll uh, see you in Melbourne soon. Absolutely. Cheers, Twitter. Thanks, all mate. All right, no Speak worries. Thank you.
0: All right, guys. We'll get the crew. Here we are. I think Noah's logged off. Webby, <laughs> Ramo. You, Rama, mate. What was your.
2: Um,
1: yeah, really good got to see firsthand is um just his outlook on life he seems like he's been playing the game and you yeah, know he's had a 15 year career the way he talks and just the things he's clearly picked up along the way just from experience and and assimilating everything and taking it all in and understanding what it all means um yeah so he's really enjoyed listening to him yeah
0: Thanks for your question, mate, as well. It was good to dive a little bit into that, the perception and and how he manages it as well. Yeah,
3: so. for sure.
1: That's good.
0: Corey, what about yourself, mate?
3: Yeah, no, very similar. Just like tell the worth of knowledge he has um, and just to pick his brain, like a couple of things in terms of the question I asked him about um, his, pre- his pre-season, what, what a week looks like, um, and just like, how he reiterated it, you can't you can't control what you can't control um as long as i you know go out there knowing that i've put the work in um that's that's all you can really do and it's like that's the type that's the i guess that's the type of injury that an acl is like you can put you just you just got to know that you've put all the work in, you tick it all off and i mean you you don't leave anything up to luck um so and then yeah, and a couple all this how he said like all the one percenters, how everything counts, whether it's and it was actually really really interesting. He's very he's clearly um, very big on the mental side of of footy, which I th- I think is much more common now in AFL footballers. I think a lot of footballers will, will mention that they take that side of the game very seriously because I think like that is where footballers can gain a competitive advantage over all their really? competitors because I mean, a lot of the physical stuff. I mean, everyone does. You you get it as an AFL footballer. You get you all do your sessions together or whatever. And it's like the little one is where you can really try and get an advantage over, over your competitors. So yeah, just how we said, um, how all the little one percenters. Even if it's not like an ice bath, for for example, he doesn't look at it as like physically. He might just look at it as like he's ticked that off. Like that's a that's a little mental thing, bang. So I think that's yeah. I think that really. Resonates with me that the mental side of um, of footy and during this preseason, I think that'll be important as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it was
0: it was a great um, question you have with Twitter because approach is so elite in that space. Um, yeah, the balance between listening to your body and knowing that it's it's not laziness; it's actually just uh, not every session can be done to smash myself today. I've got my body. Yeah. Communicate to the professionals and do the right thing by my body, and then I'll have another day rather than like you know it, not listening to it and it spiraling out of control, and now you've got a yeah. big issue. Yeah. Um, so it was yeah, a conversation mate, and um, yeah thanks for thanks for diving into it and having a few com- you know topics of discussion as well and how that helps your game. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was a good one.
3: Yeah, I no, appreciate the opportunity.
0: awesome mate, what about Webster? Would you get out of there?
3: <laughs>
4: It was, it was great to see how down to earth he was and, um, how he had, like, as the others said, had a really, I guess, well-rounded view on not just footy, but life in general. Um, and he really thought about me and the other things he wants to do post. Um, and also I'd say like the main thing is, you know, that the footy clubs definitely do things outside of footy, um, and working on chemistry and building, Um, mental strength and stuff like that but it was just interesting to to see him sort of go into it like because you don't actually really get the I guess inside scoop on how they go about it Um, so I've found that in sort of what they do after post games and with each other
3: yeah yeah
0: it was a good thing you brought about that trademark and um, I think it's a pretty strong space both like what Corey said with the competitive advantage of the mental side but also culture as well like can, a lot of clubs will have trademarks but it's about actioning them to that and, and building a good environment sure. we safely challenge each other as well which was what he brought up it doesn't matter if any sort of performance whether it be at work or um challenge each other and not affect the relationship but but be constructive and you're, you're actioning things that are important to that group pretty powerful thing
4: yeah, yeah yeah and definitely helps build the uh the whole um the whole team once you start doing it.
0: yeah I think he said the respect and trust is built with the team as well when you when those things. So, that oh, was good. Uh, I think this is a good segment, guys. So,
3: yeah, the yeah. team now. Definitely yeah. <laughs> yeah. well. That was great. Yeah. That was good. Yeah.
0: So, we'll, I'll part won't go on the podcast. Little debrief. This will go on the for group as a private academy members. Um, oh. But your, and same with your questions as well. So I'll, I'll snip it up. So I kept on it, those that tuned in live for the chat, and those are on the Facebook Watch questions and this debrief. So yeah, I'll get it all together and, and post on there so you can check it all out. Beauty. Awesome.
3: Thanks, awesome. Jack. Appreciate it. Yeah.
1: Thanks, nice. guys. Cheers, Thanks, Jack.
3: Cheers. Thanks, Jack. Cheers.
0: We'll speak to you all soon. Cheers, guys. That's, That's
3: good. good. See ya. Yeah.
0: If you enjoyed this episode and want even more, our Academy is for you. The Prepare Like a Pro Academy is a platform that hosts exclusive features and bonus content, such a Q&A segment aimed at getting to know the guests on a more personal level. Here's an example with Emily Meehan, a head sports dietitian at Collingwood Football Club. What are things that, that fire you up?
5: Oh, this one is always, uh, so I suppose it is, um, it'll be topical for most people, I think, but staying in your lane. And I often find that with nutrition, everyone eats, so everyone has an opinion. And I think that's what really gets me fired up um, because so many people try and provide nutrition advice based on their end of one experience when they did intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it might be. And then game
0: game game game
5: changes, whatever that might be. And look, it probably keeps me in a job, but that it does drive me insane because sometimes the information can be so detrimental um, and opposite to what I've been working with my athlete or athletes and, you know, and because they hear it on someone's socials or through a documentary, it unravels everything that I've been working with an athlete for. Yeah, yeah.
0: Another feature of our academy is the opportunity each week to join myself as co-host on the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. Here's an example with Academy member Rama Davies, the strength and conditioning coach at the Box Hill Hawks. Welcome Rama to the chat. Uh, Rama has also worked at, at Box Hill, or currently he's working at Box Hill Hawks really? with awesome. us. So he's another Box Hill man uh, in the strength and conditioning department. So I'll hand it over to you, Rama, to, to ask your question, mate. Thanks for joining us.
1: Excellent. Thanks, Jack. And yeah, thanks, um, thanks, Sam, for the chat. It was. Uh, I found it to be really insightful, plenty of gems in there. Um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, Mate, my my question to you was you spoke quite a bit about um, perspective during that chat Um, and I was wondering what are some of the things that you either know or um, do physically that um, you wish you either knew or did uh, back at the beginning of your career? Uh, What are some of those things?
2: Mm. Yeah. Good question. Um, yeah. So I suppose with perspective on life, um, that sort of point, um, it, yeah, certainly, yeah, has been massive for me now and, and didn't probably have that as much, um, when I was younger, um, I suppose one thing I might mention is, is gratitude. I spent a lot of my time, um, doing a lot of gratitude exercises, listening to podcasts,